Hi there, thanks for tuning in, downloading, streaming, or however you're listening to us. We are just glad you are there. Across from me, I have Jenny Hillebrand, a.k.a. Jay Hill, as I like to call her. She's an instructional coach at Dyersville Elementary, and I am Greg Detmeyer, an instructional coach at Epworth Elementary School. And since we have this microphone between us blinking, this is clearly the Instructional Coaching Corner, the podcast. Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. You know, I think we need to uh, say that I'm known as AKA Jay Hill, but uh, I think we need to let the viewers know that, uh, the listeners know that you are also known as uh, GD. I, I, I'm okay with that. We can throw that out there. So throughout the uh, podcast series here, we'll refer to each other as Jay Hill and GD. Um, so Jenny, did you know that together everyone achieves more? I did know that. Okay. Did you see what I did there? Everyone achieves more. Yeah, that's my acronym, acronym. acronym for team. Because today we're talking about teams and collaboration and how we can do that effectively. So before we start, I want to share a quick quote from Patrick Lenciani, who I am a huge fan of. And he's a big author in the business world, but he says in his book, The Advantage, the single greatest advantage any company can achieve is organizational, that could be a school, health. Yet it is ignored by most leaders, even though it is simple, free, and available to anyone who wants it. And Jenny, as I sit, sat there and read that, the thing that stuck out to me is, as I look through our notes for this podcast, everything we talk about, other than maybe some chocolates or using a note card for feedback or some sticky notes, everything we talk about is free. It isn't going to cost anything. Yet there's a huge payoff when we do the things we're saying we're that we're going to be talking about here. And as we talk about teams, this is stuff specifically we're going to talk some about what instructional coaches look like as far as leading teams and communicating with teams uh, of teachers. But I think a lot of these principles could be carried over into other as- aspects of schools, um, like a PBIS team, a BLT mm-hmm. team, or even outside of schools, just really any team. It could be a, a team of people who serve on a church ministry serving kids where if they do this stuff that's going to be a stronger team exactly you know and the more i read through and you know some of the the quotes that i have to share um it also kind of goes along with things that we can take home and bring home you know with conversations and team building you know as a family i mean my family is a team um and so building all of those things the things that we're going to talk about i think also just kind of relates to things that happen at home too. So we set the bar really high there because uh, we basically said the stuff we're going to share in the next 15-20 minutes can be used by anyone, anywhere, and it's going to change your life. So with that, Jenny, let's dive in. Awesome. So uh, have you ever heard of Elena Aguilar? She is a transformational leadership coach from Oakland, California, and uh, I actually got to meet her for the first time last October when we went to the Denver, Colorado um, the Instructional Coaching Conference, and uh, she wrote the book called The Art of Coaching Teams. And the whole theme of her book really boils down to the need of trust and creating an environment for listening and speaking and uh, just making sure that everybody feels that they have a voice. Uh, if we don't have that feeling of trust, then you know people aren't going to feel comfortable to share. They're not going to feel comfortable to learn together. Um, she also talked about needing to have that purpose, that we need to clarify, we need to integrate whatever that purpose is and reference it off, often so that 
the teachers that we're working with, uh, teams that we're working with know exactly what our focus is and what our purpose is. Um, and hopefully, what I think is probably really important, Greg, is making sure that it's connected to our school mission, our visions, and our goals. You know, we set goals for each ourselves every day. We have goals for our classrooms, goals for our districts, goals for our building, and everything that we talk about within our teams, hopefully, in some way, shape, or form, go back to meeting those goals and those visions. And think about that, Jenny. If you were to look I mean, even in my life or my practices here at school, at, at the things I'm doing and I'm spending time, energy, money, and resources doing that may not really connect directly toward what we're trying to do, it's a lot. And if you could in, get, in, get intentional with your time and do that with, within your teams, it's going to make a big difference. Absolutely. And, you know, that's another thing that uh, Elena says is that, you know, we as coaches have tremendous impact on what happens in a team. You know, we need to reflect on the current dynamic of teams. You know, we go into teams knowing, you know, um, strengths of teams. I think sometimes teachers don't realize what their strengths are or maybe, you know, what th things that they're really good at. Um, and so we have that, that power to know those strengths and be able to bring those out, you know, within those teachers. And also, um, I think it's important as our role as a coach to make sure that, you know, we're setting, you know, what, what do we want to talk about? What are some things that we want to hear and see during those, those times that we're working in those teams? And what are some things that we don't want to hear and see? You know, we want to make sure that we're encouraging um, and always promoting that positive thought and always try, you know, trying to move forward. Um, and another thing is just never give up. I think that's over and over you know we need to show up teams need to show up together and if things don't go well at a team meeting or you know if your teams if the conversations are struggling you know you still have to show up we need to modify those times and make sure that we're creating that safe environment um, and eventually once we have that safe environment you know it's amazing how much learning we can all do together yeah Jenny I found that the teams that I really enjoy being on and the ones that I feel get things done are those where when I show up to the meetings or I'm a part of it, I'm really thinking, what can I be, what does that team need me to be in trying to do that? And that's what I think of when you say, don't give up, just keep showing up. Mm -hmm. It's so important that we don't give up on the team because if we give up on the team, we're giving up on what the team's trying to achieve. I agree. You know... I learned a lot from you last year when you talked a lot about your collaboration times with your teachers. Um, and this year, I tried something a little bit different. And uh, I'm actually meeting with all of our grade level teams on a weekly basis. And this is something that, you know, Greg, we've always had the philosophy that we're a choice, not a mandate. And so for me to kind of change that up and, and say, okay, we're going to meet every week for 15 to 30 minutes, you know, providing them a focused topic. Um, I was actually with one of our grade level teams and one of the teachers had, and this was a grade level that I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily work with a lot, you know, in the past, and uh, this teacher talked about how um, much she's enjoyed just having the conversations, making sure that we're all learning together, that they're free to ask questions, and that it's kind of that safe environment to learn together, and that was really powerful for me. I was really excited to, to have that happen. Excellent, excellent, Jenny. Um, I'm going to move into, I love blogs, Jenny. Mm -hmm. 
So you, you shared a little from someone, that was an article, but someone who is a published author. I'm going to share a little that I, sh I found from a blog called, uh, in, in the blog post was five important tips for effective team communication. I think what I like about blogs are that anyone can do it. And mm -hmm. like random Joe in the middle of Iowa might have something that's just working and getting it done, and he puts it out there, and he has an audience, and other people can do that. So in this article, I kind of had five things that we need to do as a team. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because there's going to be some carryover. But the first one was be clear. And be clear with what that team's out there trying to do. And the point in the article that Mike Rogers was kind of talking about in the blog is when clarity lacks, so does team morale. And I've actually heard that in a book I read by Andy Stanley called Next Generation Leader, there he discussed that in the military that soldiers will follow a general with a clear plan even if it's a subpar plan compared to a general who has a great plan but he's not clear on it they'll follow that subpar plan if it's clear where clarity has that much of an impact on what we're trying to do the next one was to be present both physically and mentally and we we need a commit to listening to each other where sometimes there's going to be ideas shared where we're going to disagree and that's okay and we need to make sure that we're hearing all voices and there's going to be times where our idea is not picked or the direction we want to go isn't chosen but we need to be okay with that and still keep that idea in mind what does the team need from me the next one i love it was just be be courteous and Basically, this is just using manners, uh, just like mom would have taught us or like grandma would want me to do where, you know, as, as we leave the meeting, you know, say goodbye or as people show up, say hello, say thank you, you're welcome. Just those manners where it'll help the environment where people aren't so, so grumpy, but so simple. You know, and I think this is something that is always so overlooked. It is something that's so simple and something that, you know, as teachers, we're always talking about, you know, be nice, use your manners, those types of things. But sometimes even as educators, we need that reminder. And I think that is a great tip for that effective communication is just to be nice. And the next thing he talked about was being flexible and not, not, not physically flexible, but flexible with your schedule or your think or or your thinking. Because some of us, uh, myself included, aren't the most flexible people when it comes to like trying yoga or like a downward dog or something. But when it comes to my schedule, I can be flexible. And if we need to meet when it works best for someone else because they're on the team too and they're a valuable member and they want to meet at a certain time, I'm going to do everything I can to meet at that time. And the last thing that was discussed in this blog was again a simple one but be kind and in this, this in this section he went on to talk about don't ever talk bad about the team or each other especially when you're not with that group so this would be like if you're a grade alike and you leave don't talk bad about the instructional coach with other people or don't talk bad about your teaching partner with other people and the big thing is once you open that door and, and you share one complaint with someone else, that door is open for as long as you can think where people know, mm -hmm. hey, if I want to complain about someone, I can go to that person because they complained to me once. So I think it's best just not, not even to start that. And if there is an issue within the team, address it within the team. Mm -hmm. I agree. The summer when we went to the um, poverty conference in 
Texas, uh, Eric Jensen talked about that, that you should, I loved it. He told us the recommendation of the one week rule. And uh, the one week rule is if something still bothers you, if you leave a meeting or if you leave some place and something really bothers you and you just can't seem to shake it, he said, give it the one week rule. Write it down and if in one week it still bothers you or it's still something that you keep coming back to, then it's something that you need to go back to that person and address together. Um, he said that's the only way really to you know, get over those feelings if you have you know, hard feelings about something or if you're angry or don't like a way a situation happened, give it the one week rule. I've actually used it a couple times already this school year and, and I love it. A lot of it, Jenny, just comes down to, and maybe it gets lost somewhere because we try to make stuff too formal, but just being a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, just be nice to people, be kind, be courteous, and that's going to take you a long way. I am really excited for what's next on the list because here in Western Dubuque, we have a serious, I don't know if you call it a crush. Is it a crush? It might be a little crush. Maybe a little, yeah. a little bit. A little bit of a crush on Jim Knight. And you're going to talk a little about a little bit about his book here, right? Well, you know, when we were planning for this podcast, Greg and I said that Jim Knight sometimes gets in my head. You're like, really? Literally, he gets in your head? And he really does. So he has a new book out um, called Better Conversations. And uh, last year, uh, Mrs. Martin and I did a book study on Better Conversations. And as I read the book, I realized that so many things that I I've taken from that book have supported my role as an instructional coach, as a mom, as a wife, as a team member, even just as a community member and how to have better conversations with people. So um, Jenny, as you are discussing with your girls and having conversations with them and it's going down like a bad path, does like Jim Knight like pop on your shoulder kind of like the little cartoon devil and angel <laughs> where he's like, no take the conversation this way and like the little devil version of Jay Hill's like no ream into him let him have it and you have this argument is that what you mean by like in your head um well not exactly I mean I don't picture him being like the little guy with the halo on top of my shoulder but he is just constantly his ideas are constantly in my head and he has some beliefs and habits that he talks about and uh, so I would say maybe it's not Jim Knight in my head, but maybe it's more his beliefs and his habits in my head. Okay. Although if someone deserves to wear a halo, Jim Knight deserves to wear a halo. I really think so. And I think many of our uh, fellow instructional coaches would agree with that statement. So, uh, But in the book, Jim talks about the idea of radical brokenness and how today, in today's society, we are really lacking in the area of conversations that our relationships some are failing, um, sometimes even teams at school, anything that you're involved with, that we're not having conversations. It's too easy to send a text message. It's too easy to send an email that, you know, when you're sitting at home on the couch, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm guilty of this some nights, um, I'm sitting on the couch, and what do I have? I have my phone, and I'm checking email, or I'm checking Facebook, or I'm checking Instagram or Twitter, what, you know, whatever I might be checking, that all of a the sudden these conversations are stopping. Our kids aren't engaging in conversations. I'm not engaging in conversations with my spouse. So he calls that the radical brokenness and how we really have to think about those, these conversations that we're having and, and how we need to improve those conversations. Um, so in his book, uh, Margaret, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping I pronounce this 
right? Wheatley, the author of Turning to One Another, uh, Simple Conversations to Rescue Hope to the Future, I uh, love this quote from her. She says, I believe we can change the world if we start listening to one another again. Simple, honest, human conversation. Not meditation, negotiation, problem solving, debate, or public meetings. Simple, truthful conversation where each have a chance to speak, we each feel heard, and we each listen well. I just find so much power in that because we need to have those human conversations. We need to bring that back into our everyday life. Uh, Jim talks about how communication is essential in our professional learning teams, um, that we have to have that trust and respect and clear communication. Uh, those are cultural norms, and teachers are more comfortable learning and sharing ideas with one another if those three things are, are in there. So, uh, like I said, he talks about some beliefs and habits to get to those better conversations. Uh, so some of his beliefs is that we have to see conversation partners as equals. We're not going into conversations thinking that I'm better than the, the person or that I have better ideas. Um, we have to truly want to hear what others have to say. I think that's so important. You can't go in with a hidden agenda. You want to hear what other people have to say. And that one's hard not to fake, I think. Mm -hmm. Like you truly need to like, I really want to know what you have to say. And I think you find yourself in a conversation with a person like that where they're into what you're saying and you can tell they're not even thinking of what to respond because they're just listening and taking it in. There is a noticeable difference. Some we should strive I for. I agree. Um, he also talked about uh, another belief is that we should believe that uh, all people should have a lot of autonomy. Uh, we can't judge others. Conversation should be very back and forth. When we talked about why we wanted to do this podcast, one of the things was we love the conversation and the back and forth dialogue that we have. Um, and then also, and I think this kind of goes with what you had talked about with um, being present, is that conversations should be life-giving. Just like you said. I mean, sometimes, GD, I hang on every word that you say just because I can't wait to hear what comes out of your mouth, whether it's going to be funny or really intelligent. I mean, sometimes it's... Yeah, like that game of guessing game of what, what's he gonna say? It's probably a ten to one ratio, <laughs> uh, intelligent or uh, no, uh, funny <laughs> to intelligent. Um, that might be pushing it a little bit, but yeah, I I enjoy conversations when I leave feeling better. One of one of the quotes I have hanging in my office it says the best way to have a good day is by helping someone have a great day, and I think when you do those things, those have those beliefs in your conversations. People are going to leave those conversations feeling better about themselves. That's going to help them have a great day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what conversations all boil down to, is making sure that everybody is making it life-giving so that everybody can have a better day and leave feeling good about what you're having a conversation about. Um, so after he talks about the beliefs, he goes into some of the habits that you need to have. Um, and... When I read the book, when I got into some of these habits, this is where I really began to think about my ability to have conversations with people and what I needed to work on, some of my goals that I needed to have. But um, his first habit was, you know, demonstrating empathy and listening with empathy. And, you know, so often if we go in with our agenda or if we go in with our own ideas, um, we need to listen empathetically to teachers or to principals or to you know whoever we're having those conversations with to find out their feelings about what about the conversation about where 
we need to go, what, you know, what direction the team wants to go into. So I think empathy is huge. Um, fostering dialogue is another habit. And that's just that back and forth conversation, that one person isn't dominating that conversation. He talks about asking better questions, uh, making those emotional connections with people. And I think this is huge for building those relationships and building those teams. We have to make those emotional connections to build that trusting and safe environment. And Jenny, I don't know if this fits there, but as you talk about that, like one of my goals is anytime I'm working with people, I want to be able to t walk up to that person and have a good conversation about something that's not related to work. Mm -hmm. So I, I love knowing like these are their kids, these are the activities their kids are in, or like this person likes to garden, or this person likes to work on, you know, classic cars and stuff. And I, I feel when you do that, you're investing in them. Mm -hmm. So the next one might be one of my favorites, and I'm a pretty positive person. And so the next habit uh, is being a witness to the good. And at the end of last school year, I really wanted to try to bring, you know, in education, you kind of have those months of drag where, especially here in Iowa. We call it January and February. February, exactly. When the snow's on the ground, the kids can't go outside because it's too cold. So being a witness to the good is finding things that just impress you, things about people that you just love whether it be their infectious laugh or how they talked with a student that day, like if you really heard them showing empathy to a student or being caring to, to a, uh, another uh, fellow staff member. And so what we did at the end of the school year is we asked every staff member at Dyersville Elementary to write down three witness to the good. So talk about three things about three different people that you love. What's something that you love about them, a characteristic? And we actually put it together into a little slideshow for the end of the school year. And it was awesome to see everybody's reaction because as a staff member's name with their witness to the good would get would be put up on the board, you could hear the whisper and the hum of the conversations like, oh, God, yes, I love that about that person. Or, oh, my gosh, I couldn't agree more. It just builds those positive pieces to build a community within your school, within your team, no matter where you are. People want to hear the good. I think it's those little things that we do, especially in elementary education, that make like an elementary school the best place to work. Hands down. Love it. Absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. it's things like that. Just the climate and culture is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, and the last three, or the last, I guess, four that he has there, you know, finding a common ground. Sometimes you, you disagree on things but to find a common ground and figure out how to move forward on those. Controlling toxic emotions. There's times where you might feel very frustrated with how uh, a conversation's going and you might be getting angry, but really learn how to control those and again, just communicate with them. How can you, how can you fix it through communication? Uh, redirect those toxic conversations. This kind of goes in with that whole piece of gossiping and complaining. You know, redirect those toxic conversations. If gossiping and complaining starts, find a way to redirect those conversations. And then, again, this kind of goes back to what I had talked about right away at the beginning is just building that trust. Um, you know, I really believe that these beliefs and habits can be used in your personal life with, you know, a teaching partner, with your coach, with a team, or across any organization. Um, the goal that I had for myself after reading this book was really working on empathy and asking better questions. 
And for me, I always feel like I'm doing a lot with that witness to the good, but um, it's a great book. So if you haven't read it, I, I would highly recommend it. It is a great book. And there's a link um, on our website underneath our embedded podcast there that takes you to the Amazon site for that. With all the materials and all the blogs we've shared thus far or the articles, they're all linked to our website, easy for you to find. So if you want to uh, have Jim Knight talking to you in your head, you can go there and purchase that book. But it is, I joke, but it is seriously, there are multiple people I know who have read that who have read that book and said, it hasn't just changed me professionally, it's changed me as a person, mm -hmm. which is pretty powerful yeah. because we're not just changing one aspect of our life. We're changing who we are, I and, it, and I would argue for the better. So I'm kind of excited for this next part because in our notes, uh, GD has down Caleb's story. And uh, Caleb is his son, and any time I get a Vox or an email or a Skype message from Greg that has Caleb in it, I know it's going to be a good one, so I'm really excited about this. All right, so Jenny, you just talked about kind of like communication, and a while back, last spring, I wrote a blog about some things I learned about the actual communicating process, so like when you're actually talking to someone, from my son Caleb. So let me set it up. It was spring. It was one of those first nice days where we're busting out the bikes and Caleb gets a green frisbee out and I was focused on cleaning up my grill from a long winter of, of being used. And he throws it, he throws it and eventually it goes under the car. And I hear him screaming over there. He can't get under the car. The frisbee's on there. He wants to get it. So next to me is a like a plastic kid's snow shovel. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. where kids yeah. would go out there and they try to help you shovel snow, but usually it just throw it where you're, you've already shoveled it. But we had one of those laying out and I gave that to my daughter and I told her, Hannah, go tell him to use this. And about 20 seconds later, I get clocked in the back of the head by a <laughs> flying kid's snow shovel. She basically went up to Caleb and said, Dad said use this. And instead of him thinking, use this to pull the Frisbee out from under the car, he saw it. He thought, I'm going to use this to chuck instead of the Frisbee. So kind of two things <laughs> I took away from that was, one, eliminate the middleman. I, I should have went right to Caleb. And I think that's important in education, in personal fields. If, if there's an issue or something needs to be communicated, do it as directly as you can with who it needs to go to. Uh, the other was use concise, specific language. So I just told Hannah, hey, tell him to use this. Where if I should have told Caleb, Caleb, use this to grab and reach the Frisbee that's underneath the van. And the final thing I learned was make sure you check for understanding. So Caleb, use this to get the Frisbee from under the van. Do you understand what you got to do, buddy? And then he'd say, yeah, I'm going to get the Frisbee because you looked really mad when I hit you in the head with a shovel. So uh, Something that, again, seems so simple. Like they should have just assumed and known what to do with it. And, and, and often it's not. And I think a lot of times we, we assume people know exactly what we're talking about. And I use a funny story to kind of share that. But a lot of times they don't. I mean, and it's not any fault to them. It's maybe something I'm very familiar with and we're starting something new. And I just vaguely ask something from a teacher and they haven't, they don't have the research or the background in it like I do because it's new for them and I'm trying to bring it into our school. It's not their fault. It's my fault because I'm not communicating it effectively. Mm -hmm. um, on our notes, I have us to talk about five dysfunctions of a team, which is a 
classic by Patrick Lenciani in the business world. And I'm just going to read through his five things. I'm not even going to describe them much because they tie into everything we've already talked about. They really about. kind of go a lot. They, all of this is kind of working together and embedding together. This is a lot of the which, same stuff. Which is awesome because in writing this book, he's, I mean, this is like research. He's like, what's missing from the teams? What what things are consistently gone from a team that makes them dis, dysfunctional? And, and his five things were absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoiding accountability, and inattention, inattention to results. Last one there's big. I mean, that team, whatever we're doing, if we're working with a group of teachers or if we're meeting, we should know what we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. So important. Yep. They're so, having that clear focus again. Clear focus. Yep. So, Jenny, we're moving into like the time like where we've been saying what other people do and what other people have said. Let's talk a little bit about what we found that has worked in our lives as two instructional coaches here in Iowa. So and that, Oh, go ahead. So... To me, agenda is huge. I love sending out calendar invites, and teachers are probably annoyed by it because it blows up their inbox and their emails, but it's there, and in that calendar invite is always an agenda of what we're talking about. Now, try so hard. If it deserves face-to-face -face time, I want to make sure it's not something I could email out because I want to make sure that I am valuing people's time. And I always say, you know, if we're scheduled to meet for 30 minutes, if we're done at 15, we're done at 15. We're not going to drag out a meeting for the mm -hmm. sake of saying, mm -hmm. we met for 30 minutes. That doesn't make much sense. Yeah. You know, I agree because their time is so precious, and they have so many things that they need to get done that we get in, we talk about what we need to do, and then we're out. As far as agenda, Greg, what I have found, um, I do send out a calendar invite, but I just sent one out that is recurring for the whole year. But I do feel like they need to know, you know, what our topic is going to be about. So I actually have a DES weekly that I send out to them. And the very first part of that talks about what we're going to talk about during our collaboration time. Uh, I send it out on Mondays. Collaboration is usually either Tuesday or Friday. So it gives them enough time to kind of think about, you know, what our topic's going to be. Um, and kind of the same thing. Just want to have that clear focus so when we get in, we talk about what, you know what we need to talk about and if there's anything else like sometimes we start talking and it brings up other things and then the conversation can go but I want teachers to know that this is what we need to get done this is our agenda for the day and once it's done we're done our, you know their time is valuable yeah I agree Jenny and I think we really want to avoid like teach people showing up teachers or whatever your team is working on people showing up and saying what are we doing what do, are we meeting today what are we meeting about because if people are saying that, I know when I say that, it's usually something I feel like I just have to be here as opposed to this is important to me. Mm -hmm. I agree. So another one is kind of, kind of goes along with that agenda, but the purpose, you know, uh, we want to know why we're at the table. And again, that kind of goes back to that agenda. We're letting them know um, just that clear focus. And some of the things, you know, we talk about our tip goals. We have uh, professional development and professional learning plans and goals that we set for each other. Um, we talk a lot about our MTSS, RTI with the students and, you know, those students that we need to make sure that we're uh, progress monitoring and keeping up on. We have that great thing called our data wall. Love it. And uh, that sparks a lot of conversations, just making sure that we're pushing those kids to get them to that uh, proficient and advanced range. And when you say purpose, 
like I, I immediately jump to things that are important to teachers because if, if there's no purpose, I feel like I'd just be like, what can we meet about today? Shuffling around, just meeting just to meet. Where if we have a clear purpose, when we're there meeting, when people are at the table, we're going to know exactly what we need to do and we can get in, get out because time's valuable. You know, and what I guess I think with our teams is just what I've seen already in the short amount of time that I've started this weekly collaboration time is that there are teachers that are actually asking, hey, can you put this on our agenda? I want to make sure that we talk about this as a team. I love hearing that. It means that it's not one of those things where they're thinking about, oh God, she's coming in again for that 15 minutes. It's valuable to them. They're finding that, yep, these are things that we want to make sure that we're talking to you about. And it's great. I love it. I love, I love having teachers come up and say that to me. I would agree. It's awesome when people buy into what we're doing. Um, the next thing I have that, and I don't know if this really does in like a collaborative group where I'm meeting with a few teachers, but I'm thinking more of like if I'm serving on a PBIS team or BLT team, that if people are on that team, get them working within their strengths. So find what people on that team are good at, and if there's a way they can use that to better the team, let's do that. So if I'm on a school-wide behavior management team like PBIS, and we have weekly or monthly assemblies and someone on the team is like I love planning assemblies and I love getting up in front of kids and doing crazy things that's the person who should be doing it exactly so exactly. find find what people are good at get them working there so if we need balloon animals made I, I, I know a guy you know I think I do All right. they might be a little rusty and dusty I might have to watch some YouTube videos to freshen myself up on it All but right. uh, we could certainly do it I'll remember that next thing food Oh, that Love is so food. important. It's critical. It is. Um, food, I'm not the best with food. I don't know if it's because I'm a guy, but like I've, I've, we've, I've done things like a hot chocolate bar or, you know, make your own trail mix, which was a big hit. So uh, maybe you can talk a little bit more about food because you seem like someone who likes to make food and cook. Oh, I, lo I love to cook. I love to bake. Um, I love chocolate. There is nothing greater than chocolate. I could eat chocolate every day. Um, and I actually have a funny story. So last year, uh, GD and I actually joined a whole life challenge where I had to cut chocolate out of my nutritional value for the day. I couldn't eat chocolate for the day. And uh, so I took the chocolate out of my office. I always had a huge candy jar on the end of my desk. And it was full. M&M's, mini candy bars, just anything. When I'd go to the grocery store, I'd see, oh, those are on sale. I'm going to pick those up. And I'd put them in. It brought teachers in every day, like, hey, just coming in for a piece of chocolate. But, oh, by the way, I was going to ask you this. It was a great conversation starter to have chocolate in your office. But when I went started this whole life challenge, I was like, the temptation was too great for me. I'd come back from lunch, and I would just need that one piece of chocolate, but I couldn't. Got to get rid of it. I did. So I ended up bringing carrots and pea pots. And teachers started coming in, and they were looking for the chocolate, and... I didn't have it, so I started to offer them carrots and pea pods. And you know, at the end of the year on my evaluation, five people complained about the carrots and pea pods that I needed to get the chocolate back into my office. Wow. So, you know what? I took their suggestions, and I brought the chocolate back into my office. And let me just tell you, I have much happier teachers because there's a variety of chocolate sitting on the edge of my desk. Yeah, I would have slammed you in your evaluation, too, for that. I just have pictures of, like... Dyersville Elementary teachers just like moping into meetings with you, Jenny. Be like, there's no purpose here. 
Well, yeah, I don't care if there's agenda. There's no chocolate. I won't be here. Well, I, I'm did, out. I, I did play a little joke on him at the beginning of the school year. And I actually, uh, I went out and I bought green M&M's. And I bought six boxes of Mike and Ike's. And I took all the orange Mike and Ike's out. So I put the orange Mike and Ike's and green M&M's into a container. And I told them that while they were eating the real carrots and pea pods, I was eating M&M's and Mike and Ike's. And they got, it, it got a good laugh. It got a good chuckle out of them. So a little bait good. and switch. A little yeah. bait and switch. Yeah. Um, something else I love to do, follow-up emails, letting people know I appreciate them. One of my taglines at the end of emails is often, hey, I'm glad to be on the team with you. Um, another thing I love to do is each week I will set out five note cards. And throughout the week, my goal is to write a personal letter to someone that I've worked with or seen or just done something with over the course of the week and place that in their mailbox. And I that's love that one. that's huge. People I love, love that it. one. You know, I tried to do that last year, and that was one that I got away from. But now hearing you talk about that again, I really think that I'm going to uh, try to do that too. Right. I love that one. Anything else, Jenny? I don't think so. So if you'd like to go to our website, www instructionalcoachingcorner.com. You can share with us some listener mail. There's a section off to the side. If you have some tips or tricks that you use for effective communication with teams, we'd love to hear about it. Or if you've been whacked by a random object by a little kid who threw something at you because you didn't communicate with them very well, share that story as well. There is also past podcasts there. Um, the only one there you'll find is why Jenny and I are attempting to put out this podcast and our hopes of what we plan to achieve here. So this is Greg Detmeyer signing off. Along with Jenny Hillebrand. And as we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do that. Because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small intentional steps. Go out and be awesome today. <laughs>